For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here's Dickow from the deep corner for three. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's all now. Downtown Dan connects. Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. I mean, I've seen Dan Dicko hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. Welcome to today's episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow for SB Live Sports. This is small college basketball week, which means we get a chance to spotlight some great coaches and great players that unfortunately not enough people know about. I'm a big fan of D2, D3, and NAIA basketball, and hopefully this week can shed a light on a few of these great programs. Today's guest from St. Thomas University in the Florida, the great state of Florida, Coach Patrick Crary. Coach, thanks for joining. How is uh, early season practices? And if I'm not mistaken, you've already had a game. How's the early part of the season going? Well, it's, it's new. You know, this is my first year, and so it's been fun here so far. Our practice is great, very competitive practice. We have uh, seven Division One dropdowns, a bunch of transfers from Division Two levels, so they're very high competitive practices. How we like it gets intense in there, and so um, you know, the one thing you you don't remember when you're starting a new team is um, you got to teach everything all over again, and nobody knows anything. So just going through that daily battle of you know, just working with our guys every single day and things have been going well. And we've had a couple scrimmages, some good things and, of course, some bad things. It's good to see how you're going to play against different defenses and different personnel and things you need to work on. So, so far, so good. Got a lot of work to do, a long season ahead, but we're, we're happy with um, how we started things here. You mentioned, uh, I think, seven transfers, a couple Division One, Division Two, and I don't like to use the term drop downs, but you use it, so we'll stay with that. Um, there's been a number of guys that have had tremendous success and gone on to play professionally in different routes when they've done that. A guy from the Northwest that comes to mind, uh, Jacob Wiley, had a tremendous career at Lewis and Clark State at the NAI level. Then he transferred back up after starting his career at Montana. He played a little bit in the NBA for the Brooklyn Nets. He's now uh, for playing in, in Europe. But when you get a player that is a drop down, what do you look for out of that player? Because many times uh, their experience at a different level may have skewed their view of themselves and their game or maybe the level they're going to. Yeah. Really, we're, we're looking to see if you can play. I mean, that, that, that's, that's, that's the first thing. Because a lot of times, um, just because you're Division I drop down, you might have played in 
you know, the Big West, it doesn't mean that you're going to be as successful as a guy that's been in a program for two or three years. So really, what are the character flaws you might have at this point in time that have you here? Because a lot of times it's not even a situation of playing ability. Sometimes it's something off the court, something from a mental health standpoint. So try to figure that out so we can do to help develop you. Because we're trying to develop more than just you on the basketball court, of course. And one of the things for our guys I see a lot is, is the mental development is the beginning of the growth process. And as the mind grows, the body will follow. So that's what we're really looking for. What, what impact can you make? What makes you a difference maker for us? Um, you know, we talked to a ton of guys this summer when I first got here that, you know, a lot of division one guys just, we just didn't think could cut it from an academic standpoint, from a mental toughness standpoint. So what's going to work with me? You know, I'm tough. I'm very tough. I'm 38. So guys look at me and they think, Oh, you know, young coach is cool. No, 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 no. And so, you know, can you deal with the um, the daily relentless grind? Because it's every single day and never changes. And can you can you get through that? And can you can you play for us? Play for our style? Things we kind of look for. One thing I've noticed when I've talked to a, a couple coaches at those levels is they don't have the 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 resources and the the size of a staff. So player coach development or relationship becomes even more instrumental to having a great program. With you being in year one at, at St. Thomas, what have your kind of focus points been on connecting with guys, developing a great relationship? Because I've always found great player-coach relationships typically, not always, but typically lead uh, to a great program. Yeah, we say relationships and championships. I mean, that's how it goes. And so um, for us, it early on, I brought three guys with me that I already had a prior relationship to me. So, so that, you know, I had that there that already helped me for my previous institution. Um, and then communication. I think that's the biggest thing, especially in the day and age we, we live now. The players don't have to talk to each other. They, they literally can leave practice, go to the locker room, get on their phone. They don't have, you know, they don't have to talk to each other. They don't talk to me. They don't talk to anybody. They can go on and live their life. And so um, just getting that communication and honesty, and then opening up the lines to let them know that they can communicate with me and they can tell me when I do something that they might not like, you know, that they can communicate with me if I did something wrong. If they can communicate with me and challenge us. You know, we challenge you every day as players. And you can respectfully challenge your coaches in terms of, you know, getting that information to you accordingly. And so just building that gap from communication for us is where everything kind of builds because from communication, you build trust and from trust, you have a real relationship. You know, a lot of young coaches have mentors that they kind of learn their 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 philosophy on how they want to develop those player coach relationships you're talking about, as well as their basketball side. Who would your coaching mentors be and, and where along the way did they come in in your development? Was it you as a player? Was it you as a young coach working alongside them? Who would those guys be? Honestly, for me, I did not have many early. You know, I kind of was a, a, a self-starter. Um, and my mentors have been guys that I play with. You know, my best friend is uh, Brian Wright, the general manager of the Spurs. So I talk to him all the time. Um, you know, we in each other's weddings. So I've known him since I was nine. So he's probably a big mentor for me. In terms of forward thinking, you know, the NBA is always ahead of everybody else. So he helps me there. Uh, Tony Skin, assistant coach of Ohio State, went to George Mason on that Final Four team. We played together in high school as well. A peer of mine, we challenge each other on things. We talk with each other. Those are the guys that really helped me. It's really my peers. Um, and then later on in my career, Shaka Smart. He's been a great resource to me. Um, you know, I, I 
I met him through the Durant organization. I was working with them through Wayne Pratt, uh, Kevin Durant's father. And just building with Shaka, I mean, it was, he's so genuine. He's going to tell you exactly how it is. He's going to tell you what you should do, what he thinks you should do. And he's going to let you also make decisions for yourself. And when I got the job, I called him and said, I don't even know how to get on the phone. I've never changed jobs. Like, what do I do? How do I Zoom this? He told me, you better get on the phone with the three blessed players immediately before you get on the Zoom with the whole team. And that really helped bridge the gap with some of the guys that were already here. So he's helped me out tremendously. And those are, those are kind of the guys who I, I follow and have a great relationship with. So as, as a player, I, I had similar experiences, I'm sure, where I connect with guys, they become kind of mentors, bounce things back and forth. But there were also guys when I was growing up as a player, I looked up to and I, I maybe didn't know them, but I, I followed the arc of their career and their path. Do you have a coach or two that, you know, from a distance, you read their their books or, or you follow what they're they're teaching on the court in different clinics? I mean, I grew up a K dude, like like so many people. I mean, uh, first game I remember was when they got smashed by UNLV. I think I was eight. And um, I remember the next year they brought Brent Hill in, and I had a high top fade. I was a light-skinned dude with a high top fade, <laughs> you know, in 91. So I thought that I wanted to be Grant Hill. And so just watching him and how he's, you know, sustained success with that program. You know, John Thompson, I'm from the D.C. area. I grew up there. I lived there basically my whole life. And so seeing what John Thompson means to our entire city and, you know, he is Georgetown university. My dad went to Georgetown. Um, he's a doctor, but he went there for medical school. So just having that connection and kind of seeing what John Thompson did in the community uh, was big for me. And so I would say those are the two guys that I, I really looked at, you know, as I, as I grew up and as I watched coaches, you're hearing Dickie VL stuff all over the TV when you're growing up and, you know, John Thompson and coach K were always right there. Well, those are two great ones to kind of track and follow and try to learn from from a distance. Uh, I never played against Georgetown in a John Thompson coach team, uh, but I got to practice when I was at University of Washington. We were in the NCAA tournament. We got to practice uh, on the Georgetown campus. It, it was pretty cool um, to look over and, and see, you know, some of the things that they had done with the banners and all that. Um, when you look at start of practice and games start what do you get more excited as a coach because I'm always interested to hear this answer because players are always games 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 I, I want to get through the first couple weeks of practice for games but coaches have a unique answer what's yours practice it's, it's, not, it's not even a question I haven't we didn't play last year at my old school because of the pandemic so I hadn't had a practice in I don't know 16 months so I was just so eager to get out there and practice games for me are a little nervous you know, just a little bit. You don't really know what you have, especially when you have a new group. You don't know how you'll respond. So um, you're excited about seeing them and seeing how they will how they will produce. But um, I'm a practice guy. You know, we, we practice all the time. I look forward to it every single day. Something that I love. I mean, I love game day. There's thing we all know there's nothing like game day. But when it comes to the first thing, I love that first day of practice because you're really molding that team. You know, the games you're not. Games are already decided before you even walk into the door based upon what you did at practice, but you really get to mold your team and learn your guys and really put your style in place in practice. So how do you start first practice of the year? Are you a uh, get on the line three-man weave coach? Is it walk through some, some base principles for what you want to cover for that day? Walk us through your first 10, 15 minutes of the first practice of the year. Our first action is always going to be on the defensive end. So we'll do our pregame. We do the same 
30 minute warm up every single day. And I got a lot of it from, from Kevin Willard when I went to his practice at Seton Hall, bring the music out, get, get guys going a little bit. So we keep that pretty much consistent on a daily basis. But the first drill that we do is, is man on man defensive drill. Then we do a, you know, one man help defensive drilling. So they understand positioning, spacing, where they're supposed to be. And it sets the tone. This is the first thing that we're doing. And we're doing it because we're not doing anything unless we perform on a defensive end. So that's the first thing that we always start with, just trying to get them in a help defensive mindset. And then, of course, we go into transition defense because it's a tough thing. You know, try to do the tough things first to get your identity as a tough team early. You guys are ranked uh, 25 in the preseason poll that I saw for, for the NAI level. Um, give us an outlook on your ball club. I know you seven uh, seven new players. This is year one for you at St. Thomas University. But to be ranked in a preseason poll with a new head coach, there's a tremendous amount of respect for your program. Share with us what your outlook is as a coach. Yeah, we brought back uh, the four leading scorers from the previous year. So these, these guys are really good. Justin Rogers, Justin Floyd, uh, DJ Russell was first team all conference. And Bud Jones, you don't usually walk into a team where you have three, you know, six, eight uh, division one transfer big men and they're just waiting for you. So one of the things that intrigued me about the job, um, besides being here in South Florida, which is always great and working for a great president, David Armstrong and great uh, athletic director. And so when I look at our team, you look at all the new guys you brought in and then you look at the guys that were here. And for me, it's just really blending the team and getting our identity early. So I know what I want us to be, and then I have to be able to, to realize what we really are going to be. So um, especially from an offensive standpoint, defensively, you know, I think we'll be really good. We don't have a choice. Uh, it's not a, it's not an option for us. I'm a, you know, I'm a guy who thinks he's an offensive guy, but the numbers say I'm a defensive guy. <laughs> um, so, you know, uh, for us, it's really going to be about how we perform on the defensive end. I think when you look at it from a front-line standpoint, we brought in – you know, 6'10", 6'10", two transfer, 6'8", D uh, two transfer, average of fifteen points in Montevallo. We have great size and length. Um, I, I think we just have to be tough around the rim. We got to be tough taking charges, altering shots, getting into passing lanes. I mean, our, our guard play. We really got to look to stop the ball early. So I think it all comes back to our defensive identity. You know, we we should be one of the better defensive teams in our league. Um, and that should translate into, you know, what we do on a national stage. You know, I, I, at my previous school, we went to the national tournament four times in five years. We were not successful there because from a depth standpoint, we just didn't have it. Um, you know, when you get to the national tournament, you know, it, you, it's got to be more than seven. You, that eighth, ninth, and tenth guy really becomes important for you. And, um, you know, here I think we have that. I think we have the depth to help us. It just just depends on how we we work in terms of these baby steps early in the season, taking responsibility for the good, but always really taking responsibility for the bad and being able to really identify what we need to work on throughout the year. But I like our team. I'm confident in our team. I like our guys. I think we're very talented. My assistant coach, Zach Moss, I won a championship in the league already. Um, One of the hardest workers you'll ever meet in life. And so having him, which is an insight to the league that I've never been in, has been a great help already. And so we're, we're looking forward to what we got in store for this year. Well, it sounds like you guys have a lot of size, length. You've got some transfers from different um, levels that are, are now at the NAIA level. But 
What's the biggest misconception about NAIA basketball that that you wish would just get squashed? Because, um, you know, unfortunately, too many players and parents and even AAU program directors, um, they're only pushing Division One, Division One when there's so many other great levels of basketball. Give us your your take on NAIA basketball and why it's so great. First, I'll say this about the, the Division One push. I understand it and I respect it. You pull, you know. Division one, division two, and division, you know, division two, division three, NAI coaches and ask how many of you guys want to be a division one head coach? You're going to be in the 90s from a percentile. So a lot of times, you know, our coaches on our level will complain about the division one or bust, but would take a division one job in five minutes. So I'm not <laughs> I'm not gonna do that. I understand it. But I think the hardest thing is not understanding the talent level and thinking that it is a worse talent level than division three, almost like how people think junior college is a worse talent level than, you know, division two and division three. But you know, if you go to a division one Juco game that you're going to look at seven division one players, um, you know, on one team potentially and a bunch of division two kids. So I think the talent misconception is something that really bothers me um, just in terms of the level of play. You know, I had a guy we talked to this summer at a, at a league freshman guard that we liked he said, you can never get him. You know, he's, he's a division one player. The kid, it was April. The kid was a senior. He had no offers. We couldn't get him. He couldn't, we couldn't get him, but our starting point guard is a division one drop down. And our backup point guard is a division one drop down. So obviously we're getting kids that are on that level of talent. It's just that misconception that, you know, the talent is not as high. That's why I would love for them to come to a practice and rather see the physicality. You don't really, that's the big thing. I walked in uh, my office, see two of my wings working out, both of them 164, 165, both well over 200 pounds, very strong guys. And they look big. You know, I'm not little, I'm 6'3, you know, 215, and they're big, they're big guys. And so, you know, just that physical standpoint and really the talent standpoint are the things I really wish people would, would, would be able to understand more. Yeah, I did. Uh, I've gotten to know Austin Johnson, the head coach at Lewis and Clark State, who played in the NAIA title game uh, last season. Um, I will call on TV the Gonzaga uh, LC State game uh, earlier this season. When you're building a schedule as an NAIA coach, you have an opportunity to play a program like a Gonzaga if you're in this pocket of the country. Who do you look to try to schedule with as a coach in your area? Because I'm sure that's something that you can learn a lot about your program. You can get exposure for your program, but you can also test your guys early and find out who's willing to go to battle in a difficult environment. One of the best things for us is we're right here in South Florida, the Sunshine a Division II Conference is a, basically a Division I conference. I mean, it's a great conference. And so we're playing a couple teams there that are really going to test us, not just from a physical standpoint, but just in terms of knowing how to play. And we have coaches down here. I think they have five coaches in the league that have been on their teams for 20 plus years. So that's how you know you got a program and things running. We have guys on our team for, you know, dealing with me for six weeks. So it, it's a lot different. And just learning that level of discipline that you have to have each, each single time that you play. I'm trying to get division one games. So at my last school, you know, we beat two division ones in the same year. Now I come down here. Coincidentally, I can't get a Division One game, but we're trying to get one. I mean, I would love to play University of Miami. They're close to us. I would love to play 
against FAU, FIU. Um, you know, we got the job in June, so it was a little late. And we're looking to build those relationships. Hopefully we can you know, get a game or two in there next year. I, I have no – I'm not going to be shy. I want to be the best coach that ever lived. So if I want to do that, I got to play the best teams that we're ever going to play. So, you know, we, we would love those opportunities um, to put our guys on the floor. And, you know, it, it, it's nice when you're Division One. you have a lot of, lot of bells and whistles out there pregame, you know, a lot of things that are different. It kind of gets your juices flowing. It's a great experience for our guys. Well, Coach, I appreciate the time. It's it's always nice for me to, to hear about different programs in different parts of the country at different levels. Uh, as I mentioned, ranked number 25 in the country, it sounds like you guys are in a tremendous league and you're going to have opportunities uh, to make the postseason if all things go well. So wish you nothing but the best of luck and thanks for joining today. Dan, I really appreciate the time. Always a big fan of yours. I remember you was getting buckets all those years. <laughs> it was great to talk to you. I really appreciate the time. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.